All right, so how much right, do we owe you? All right, you guys each owe Time me $202. All right. No pay change? Up. Even? 202 202 There's no change. Right. I don't remember what the change was. Can I get a receipt? Can I get a receipt for this? <laughs> it's 40, 60, I'll send you an email. I'm going old school and paying by check. 20, 40, 60, 80, 200, and 201, 202. I can give you Canadian. Here you go. And he's missing. It's Adam. <laughs> Thank you very much, David. Count it. Make sure it's right. Here you go. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Thank Here you, you go, Fana. Caitlin, you're dragging over there. I'm One. writing a check. I have to be precise. <laughs> 20, 40, 60, 80, I know. I, I should have just texted it to you on my cell phone. 60, Can you do that's that? The way, that's the way all the cool people I'm putting toxic asset as the memo on my check. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. Today is Tuesday, March 9th. I'm David Kestenbaum. And I'm Khana Jaffe-Walt. That was my colleagues Alex, Caitlin, Adam, and you, David, at the top, forking over 200 bucks you all owed me. We here at Planet Money have pooled our cash, totaling $1,000, and gone in on a dubious investment opportunity. That's head on the show. First, our Planet Money indicator. We have a sentimental indicator today. It is $3.28 trillion. Oh, so that's probably a low estimate, $3.28 trillion in home mortgages that got packaged into complicated financial instruments that nearly brought down the global economy. This should be making you all feel very sentimental right about now. Yeah, so they're called toxic assets, and, you know, we heard a lot about them. The mortgages in them started going bad, and then these things started going bad. They're so complicated, no one could tell exactly what they were worth. No one wanted to touch them. No one except us. We did. We wanted to touch them, to study them. We wanted to buy our own toxic asset. And Hannah, I always just, I, I really wanted to own one, like, you know, like a pet, because they were so central to this whole crisis, you know, trillions of dollars of them, so complicated, so abstract. And I thought if we just own one, you know, then we could get the financial statements, we can pick it apart, and it would give us a front row seat for the, for the last act of this whole financial crisis. Right. So we we're all really excited about the idea, and we've been sitting around the office talking about, you know, who might give us money for this experiment. I was hoping, David, maybe your parents would thunder. <laughs> Not my parents. Maybe NPR. Yeah. No, but eventually we decided, no, it's got to be us. It's on us. So you and Alex and Caitlin and Adam and I, we all each put in 200 bucks to total $1,000. And we all agreed if somehow we end up making money, we're going to give it all to charity. So... Actually, you know, we're we're really nothing like normal investors. We're more like we're more like <laughs> philanthropists. We have, we have no upside, right? We, we have can no only possibility for an upside. Lose money. All right. So it is on. We've got the will. We've got the one thousand dollars. Now we just have to buy one. Turns out that is not easy at all. You need to know a guy. And David, you knew a guy. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you may remember Witt Solberg. He was a Wall Street guy. He'd gone home to Kansas City to set up shop there. He started a small company called Mission Peak Capital. He's been helping tiny community banks that got stuck with these toxic assets figure out what it is they own. And recently, he's been buying some toxic assets also. And he said, sure, come on down. I'll help you out. So we did. This is it? Yeah. Hey, Hannah. Yeah? I, I forgot my checkbook. <laughs> I got you. All right. So, David, you took me to Kansas City to what feels like an abandoned alley. There's <laughs> there's no one around. It's like an unmarked brick building. I feel like we're buying drugs. Wait, this is really it? Just in one of these little buildings? 
Yeah, it used to be a barber shop, I think. We go upstairs, and it looks a little more legit up there. There's maybe a dozen guys in a big open office. There's whiteboards with numbers and lists of bonds, and each desk has several computer monitors, sort of strewn empty bags of chips and with Snapple bottles and papers, and there's a tube of toothpaste on one guy's desk, and chewing tobacco. Yeah, they spit the chewing tobacco out into the Snapple bottles. That's That's how that works. That would be Wit, Wit Solberg, and he's awesome. He's sort of this all-over-the-place guy. Like He's always telling you several different things at once, and just getting him to sit down and say his name and title is tough. Okay, so we... What's your name? Okay, that's a good point. Uh, you remember that? Yeah, I remember Raising that. Morning, so, uh, my name's Wit. So Wit tells us here's how the day is going to work. He's going to start by checking his email because brokers in New York they send him emails about what bonds are for sale today. Bonds is code for toxic assets, <laughs> um, and he, he's going to look at the toxic assets, the bonds, analyze them, and he's going to help us choose one he thinks we should spend our thousand dollars on. And this, David, this is the moment that I sort of realize I have no idea what I'm looking for. <laughs> like, I don't – what are we looking for? What am I trying to buy? This is actual money in my pocket. And Wit kind of answers these questions in the way that he answers everything with a metaphor. He says, it's OK. Just think of it like you're a farmer at an auction buying a cow. We've got the big black Angus cow that everybody wants. We're not buying that cow because it's too expensive. Uh, we want the cow that kind of got a, a wounded leg, but she might, you know, she might she might produce a few more calves for us and uh, is cheap and uh, nobody else knows that, you know, she's got a couple more years in her and that's what we're after. So it's sort of like you spend $1,000 on the cow and if you can make enough milk from that cow or get enough offspring from the cow that when you sell that stuff you get $1,000 – then, then you're good. And if you can make sell it for more, then you've made money. So Witt takes us to his desk. He's got three computer monitors there. And he shows us the emails he's got about the bonds that are for sale from all the guys in New York. Bobby sends a lot of email. Uh, and uh, Cliff and uh, Dwayne and Adam and Cliff again and Chris. And, you know, but we, we you try to. These are guys that you trust. They're guys that sell bonds. And how do the, I love the emails. They have these subject lines like super senior steel. Another one says cheaper. And then Wit picks one that he thinks looks promising. He wants to spend some time analyzing. And you and I, we, we just go with that. And then he and his guys set out to analyze it. Now, remember, there are thousands of mortgages in one of these toxic assets. So actually, if you got a mortgage in the last 10 years, uh, it's possible we were looking at your mortgage. It's possible your mortgage was in here. And Wit, it's very likely your mortgage is in some toxic asset. Some toxic asset somewhere. So Wit and anyone else who wants to figure out how much one of these things might be worth, they need to know, like, what are these mortgages? Who made the loans? Where are the houses? Are people making their mortgage payments? And that is where Brandy comes in, the model. The computer model. Uh, so the wife, Wit's wife. The model's named after his wife, Brandy, who built the thing. And so for the next couple of hours, you know, his guys are analyzing these bonds. And Wit is walking around the office, leaning over his staff, saying things like, what's Brandy telling you here? And, wow, look at Brandy's loss severity there. Or remember to balance what Brandy's saying against how realistic it really is. And Wit, and Wit makes his way over to one of his staff, uh, an analyst whose name is Rob. And Rob works often in this back office that one guy called uh, a bond cave, like, Rob, get back to your bond cave. <laughs> and Rob kind of looks like he stuck his finger in a, in a light socket. He's sort of 
He's both tired and keyed up at the same time. And Wit is standing behind him, looking over his shoulder. Are you working on your omelet, Rob? Keep working on your omelet. They go back and forth for a while about the omelet, and at some point I realize, oh, oh, they're not, they're not talking about eggs. They're talking about a bond, a toxic asset. Yeah, so apparently omelet is an acronym for Option Mortgage Loan Trust. And Rob says to Wit, I, I like this one. And Wit tells us we should like it too, and we say, okay, we, li- we like it, yeah. And now we start talking about price. And, and this is the first bit of information that really blows me away about this whole process. So Wit tells us we should bid, we should offer a half a cent on the omelet as in one half of one penny on the dollar. So less than 1% of what someone originally bought it for at, say, the peak of the housing market. So, of course, they're not talking about spending just pennies. They're talking about spending thousands of dollars. But it's a way of them saying it's a fraction of the full $1. So Witt picks up the phone and he calls Cliff, who is one of the brokers who sent those emails. And he says to Cliff, uh, we'll bid a half a cent on the omelet. And Cliff says, "Okay, uh, let me check with whoever's selling it, and I'll get back to you. So he hangs up the phone, and we wait. And then finally, Cliff calls back. Hey, Cliff. Hey. What's happening? So that omelet bond? Yeah. Uh, they're singing high teens on that. <laughs> that's that's bull****. That's ridiculous. Wait, so what, what happened with the omelet? Somebody oh. bought it for high teens? That's what they're telling the trader. And you bid half a cent. Yeah. So there's real disagreement about, about what these things are worth. There's huge disagreement. I mean, honestly, this is not uncommon. So, so Hannah, we got outbid by someone who was offering 30 times what we offered. <laughs> and so th- this is why, I mean, you'll remember these toxic assets were a problem in the first place because no one could figure out what 3,000 mortgages bundled into this complicated structure was worth, um, you know, now that the mortgages were going bad. And now the, these things are starting to move. People like Wid are think they might have an idea of what they're worth and they're buying and selling them. But this is still a huge problem. There's no consensus on what some of these things are worth. They're not worth the full dollar anymore. They're not worth nothing. But so it's somewhere in between zero and and everything. And also, I mean, even if you want to find out more information, like if you want to find out, okay, who made the mortgage loans to all these people, a lot of times you can't because they don't exist anymore. Companies like Countrywide have just gone away. And then you say, okay, well, what about the people who are collecting payments from all of the people who pay the mortgages? So people who manage the mortgage payments, they're called servicers. And we sit down with Wit and we're looking at this this one bond and saying, okay, who are the servicers on this thing? There's a master servicer who's the master in charge. And then everybody else is sort of these sub-servicers that collect the payment. And you got Greenpoint Mortgage, American Home Mortgage... Aurora, Countrywide Home Loan Servicing, they call these GMAC Mortgage, Residential Funding Company, LLC, IndyMac. So half of these people that were responsible for collecting payments and monitoring this just vaporized. They're, they're gone. They're responsible, you know, ultimately to the master servicer, but the master servicer's gone. AMBAC is in this. This has got everybody. This is like a convention of problems. And, Hannah, even if we had that information, these bonds are still incredibly difficult to sort out. Each one is different. It has this complicated structure. 
So we noticed there's this whiteboard in the corner of their office, and there's a bunch of song names on it. And we ask about it, and it turns out that this is to help them keep track of all of the different kinds of bonds. They're so complicated, and they all have different characteristics. So they use these songs to associate them with different kinds of bonds. And so Rob, the the guy who looks like he's been electrocuted from the bond cave, he comes out of his bond cave, and he reads that list. All right, so what do we have at the top here? Up. This is our trade There is a floating rate coupon. It is. We have classified it as the gambler. It's, it's roll the dice. Who knows? I think we can go to the next one. What is it? And this is the credit I.O. that has a fixed rate coupon. So a little more certainty because you actually know what you're getting each month. Um, no principal still. Still credit I.O. And that is. It's tricky. Which? By Run DMC. By Run DMC. They also have Mid Credit IO with Good Value. The song for that is Johnny Come Lately. Uh, high factor support is OPP. You yeah, know, you OPP. Know me. yeah, you know me. Uh, apparently, that, that one is because it feels like you're stealing other people's property. <laughs> so we get to wit at 8 in the morning. And by 1 o'clock, we still have not got our toxic asset. And not because we've been screwing around with music the whole time. Brandy, the model, has been working very hard, analyzed tons of bonds, but it seems like it's actually just really hard to find one that you can get cheap and still seems like it'll survive long enough for you to make some money. Still seems like it has some life in it. So 1.30, 2 o'clock, we find this one toxic asset Wick gets excited about because she's mysterious. He doesn't quite understand what's going on. And he, he actually stands up at the whiteboard to write out just all the details, all the people who made the loans, all the other investors, and just to try to understand it just so that he can understand it. And as he's doing that, he kind of starts to guess at who the people in this bond are, what their stories are. Like this guy got a $2.25 million loan, 30% loan to value. So it's like a $7 million house basketball player. So you, these are McMansions. The, the, this has more of a McMansion feel to it. You know, the other thing that's interesting here is you have 9% in Florida and half of all of the loans in Florida went into default. So they had a guy in Miami, you know, just giving mortgages out on condominiums and, you know, there they went. And so one of the things that we're determining here is have the bad left the building or do the bad still remain in the building? Rob, the purchase. I have a good feeling about this this one. You have a good feeling about this one? I don't want to buy it. You hear the McMansions thing? I want this one. Honey, you know, I, I wanted this one that was um, filled with mobile homes. Yeah, you told me that modular. Yeah. All right, so you're, you're rooting for the McMansions. I, I want to own a bunch of mobile homes. But he said mobile homes are very hard to... They, they haven't studied them at all. They that's, don't what I like, that's what I like about that's it. That's what you Nobody, like about yeah, it? Yeah, impossible to value. I just like that it's unvaluable and that in the end we'll find the answer. <laughs> so at, at this point, I actually get for the first time why so many people bought these things without reading all the paperwork, without fully understanding the details about how they're put together because it's, just, it's so mind-numbing, you know? I can see how easy it was to say, oh, look, this is complicated, but, you know, it's got a triple A rating on it from a rating agency. Someone else has done all the work. Okay, let's just let's just buy it. Let's <laughs> right. just buy one. Right. It's a, it gets a little boring. You can only look at so many QCIP numbers and LTVs before your eyes kind of glaze over. And you just think, okay, 
this is the one. It's got a basketball player. That seems cool. <laughs> I'll take this one. Uh, actually, Wit wasn't so sure about the basketball player bond because there wasn't enough data for Brandy to evaluate it. And the way it works, when you buy a try and buy a toxic asset, they're only up for sale for a couple hours. And in this case, the window is running out. And I'm, I was sitting there the whole day like, aren't we supposed to be making a bid on this soon? Shouldn't we be getting to work on this? And in this case... We have only minutes to make a decision, and Wit does something that makes me really nervous. <laughs> he says, print the book. The book, the prospectus, that 604-page document that describes the bond in excruciating detail. We're, we're printing out 600 pages of the toxic asset, <laughs> the, prospect, the entire yeah, prospectus. You can take it home with you. <laughs> Check bagged. Yeah. Check bagged. You just got delivered the first 100 pages. Yeah, so we get the... And as the pages are coming out of the printer, I'm realizing I'm staring at a historical record of the entire financial crisis. It's all here on these pages. Vaporized companies, people struggling to pay their mortgages, and some horribly complicated logic describing which bondholders get paid in which order, how much, and under which conditions. And Wit hunches over the pages as they come out with three highlighters and a pen, circling stuff in different colors and furiously turning the pages, time running out. And then he stops. There is a hidden time bomb on page 136. <laughs> You're laughing. That doesn't seem like a good sign. <laughs> so I guess I the, in the event of insolvency of Lehman Brothers, payments due under the interest rate cap agreement may be delayed, reduced, or eliminated. <coughs> Dude, this is a disaster. This is a disaster. The disaster is the deadly interest rate swap. You don't need to know what that is. It's bad. Suffice it to say, I'm not getting my basketball player. <laughs> and we go on like this for two days. We actually had to book a second night of hotels. But finally, we find a, a really, I think, beautiful, totally toxic asset at what Wit thinks is a good price, $36,000. That that seems like a lot of money, but the original sticker price was a lot, a lot more. $2.7 million. Meaning that's how much money, in theory, is supposed to be coming in from yeah, all the mortgages. What, yeah. Wow. So someone originally was someone was holding it, expecting it to be worth a lot more money. Yeah, somebody, a, a human being or an institution had a two point, paid $2.72 million for this at, within very recent history. And you bought it for $36,000. That's right. And now we buy it too. We buy a piece of that from WIT for $1,000, our own little encyclopedia of the financial crisis. We have to go down the street to a community bank in Kansas City to set up an account. I'm David. Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah. All right, well, come in, and I'm actually going to introduce you to Christy Beidler. Okay. She's going to go ahead and uh, okay. get you all set up. And you're needing to establish an account, correct? Yeah, we're opening up a toxic asset banking account. <laughs> they tell me to stop recording soon after this, so I do. We set up the account, and I write a check. All right, so we just came out of the bank where they did not let us record, but where, Hana, you opened up the Planet Money toxic asset account. I have the certificate right here. We're now proud owners of what Wit called garbage. <laughs> David, we get back to Mission Peak Capital, and, th and that's when I sort of realized, like, oh, now we own, <laughs> we actually do own a toxic asset. We own a tiny piece of 2,000 mortgages all across the country, and I'm trying to picture in my head, like, what does that mean? Like, sort of like <laughs> we own a doorknob in each and every house or something. Yeah, or like a few nails in the floor or something. And 
like a lot of investors, like I, I only think I really understand what it is we bought this week. <laughs> After you bought it. <laughs> After we bought it. And that day we sat down with Wit at the computer to try and make sense of our toxic asset. And we looked at some of the outputs from the computer model. The bra- what Brandy's telling you here. Brandy is. Brandy's our model. And your wife. And the wife. Here's a guy who, who, who is a two point, he got a loan for $2.4 million. Now this house is located in uh, Florida and it's a planned uh, urban development in Sarasota. All right. Pretty nice Sarasota place, right? You can tell a zip code. Yeah, there's a zip code. He owned three three two three four two four zero. Yeah, golf course community, maybe a cul-de-sac, something like that. There's another guy in Sarasota. There's another guy in Sarasota. So you can start to get a feel that there was a guy in Sarasota who had a billboard who gave big loans, and those big loans went into this pool. Uh, this this guy could be in the same cul-de-sac. Do you do you actually see these as real people, or do you look at them as data? Um, I mean, do you do you feel anything for them? Do you say that poor well, guy? Yeah, we you, you do feel for people that have gotten loans through these types of programs. You wish that that they could stay in their house, but in this particular business, it's a it's a data point. Also, California, Arizona, basically in all the worst hit parts of the country, we have mortgages, and we can't tell individual names on the data, but we can see. The loan amounts, we can see, you know, here's one person who got behind on payments and then caught up a bit and then got foreclosed on. Almost 15% of the homes in our toxic asset are in foreclosure. Almost half are behind on their mortgage payments. So a lot of people are struggling. A lot of people have already lost their houses and a lot more will lose homes in the coming months. And and at some point, those homes will be taken over and sold. And for investors, that's the important part. The bond basically owns the houses, right? They're the collateral on the loans. And as those houses get sold to try and get as much money as possible, they're going to get sold for a loss because the housing market has crashed. And when that happens, when enough houses get sold for a loss, our part of the bond, our bond dies and we get wiped out. But until that happens, we get paid a bit of money every month. We get a check. We just got a check for $141.09 this month. And if we keep getting checks, if the bond survives and we keep getting checks until July, we break even. We make the $1,000 that all of us put in back. And if we make it till Thanksgiving, Wit tells us we could double our money. What's the worst thing that could happen? Uh, next month, they sell all the houses, and you you get stuck with nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So 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 how we do depends on how long the bond lasts. And because this is the podcast, we can actually explain it to you. It's, <laughs> because it, yeah, it's going to take a minute. It's going to take a minute. But we own what's called the B six class of the bond. So basically, everyone who buys a piece of this bond, we're all standing in line to get paid. And some people are near the front of the line. And then there are people who are near the back of the line. And we, B6, we are near the back of the line. And that is why our part of this thing is toxic. There are actually two people behind us right now. We're at the B6 class. Behind us is the B7 investor and the B8 investor. And as the houses get foreclosed on, taken over and sold, then there are fewer and fewer houses in our bond, which means less money coming in, less money to pay out to investors. And the folks who lose out first are at the back of the line. So I like to think of it as like there's this monster grabbing the last person in line and eating them. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yes. So bondholders B12, B11, B10, B9, 
they got eaten. The, <laughs> the monsters like digested them a while ago. And the monster is now chewing on B8. And he is going to finish eating B8 and then attack B7. And then he's going to get to us. <laughs> so, so it's really just a question of when the monster gets, gets to us. Or, you know, when enough houses get taken over and sold for a loss that we get shut out of the bond payments. Okay, so that's the basic structure of where we sit as an investor in this bond. But the bond overall, like as we're getting to know it, there's so much we can't know about the bond and we will never probably figure out. So we sit with wit for our last couple hours and just try to figure out what it is and what its life has been. Who did we just buy this from? Uh, well, you, you, you bought this from you bought this from me. And who, who did you buy it from? Uh, I bought this uh, on an auction uh, through a California broker dealer. Um, and you don't know who they were selling it for? Um, we do not know. We just put a bid. They just put in a bid on our behalf. Can you can you guess who might have owned this? What type of place would have bought this? Yeah, a lot of times people were uh, buying these. Uh, some some people actually sold them to banks, community banks, insurance companies, things like this. Pension funds might have this been part of someone's retirement, uh, some big that's retirement correct. fund. Uh, that's correct. Um, and could it also have been on the books of like the big banks that we heard about holding all the toxic assets, like Citigroup and Bank of yeah, America? Yeah, and where it would have, why they would have held it on their books usually would have been to redistribute it. So it it might have been held by small community banks, insurance companies, pension funds, or big, enormous banks. That's right. Um, Or all of those. That's right. So now we own part of this, and you do too. In in a bigger sense, what are we providing? Are are we helping these people? No. You're not helping these people. You, if you have any reason to purchase this product, the reason is to make money. Um, but are, we, are we helping the people who owned this stuff that we bought no, it from? You're not doing anything. There's no old, there's no higher purpose to to purchasing these bonds. But I can't picture in my mind some small community bank in Ohio that's been holding this and does and wishes they hadn't. And now I've just taken a piece of it off of their hands. It's loosened them up and made them made it possible for them no, to loan it. No, because what would have happened was that they'd have to recognize that loss. Ninety-nine. They bought. They would have bought it for a hundred, and now they've just recognized the fact that they've lost lost ninety-nine. You know, someone has to buy it, right? Well, that's right, and, and and I don't disagree with buying it. That's why we do it. But we think it's profitable now. Whether it's whether you can make a connection that it's benefiting somebody uh, directly, whether it's the mortgagers or the market, um, it will be beneficial for people who own something to better understand its value. I see. So what we're actually doing is we're saying to whoever holds this, you think you don't know what it's worth, or maybe you think it's worth whatever, and we think it's worth a two penny. cents on the dollar. Yeah. You've raised your hand, and you said it's worth a penny and a half. And by the way, that's better than nobody raising their hand at all. Of course, there could be a very good reason no one was raising their hands. Maybe it wasn't worth what we paid for it. <laughs> maybe it was worth less than a penny. Maybe the person who sold it, you know, good job. <laughs> they got they rid of it. They should have, right. Yeah. Well, we will find out the answer to that question very soon. And we will let you know along the way. We're setting up what we what we hope will be a really cool website where you can track all of this with us. We want you to have all the information we have. So we're going to make it so that you can log in to our um, toxic asset account, to our Mission Peak Capital account, and see all of our financial statements and the prospectus from the toxic asset and whatever else you want to see, everything we get, we will put up there. And Wit and his guys also wrote up this really nice 
summary of what it is that we own. And we're also we're putting together an interactive map where you can see the mortgages in the bond, how many are in each state, and what's happened to them over time. We're also working on a video, and that's all going to go up on the web on Friday. And uh, we'll send out a note on, on Twitter when the web stuff is up. But we wanted you, our podcast listeners, to be the first to meet our toxic asset. Right. Um, and we're going to do more stories about it. And we'd love your help. We actually really want to track down some of the homeowners and possibly, you know, some of the other investors who have owned this bond. Um, so that's all going to come your way in the next few months. We'll, we'll let you know what we're looking for. But before we go, David, there is one more question, an important question that we asked Wits colleagues Rob and this guy Slim about before we left. So Slim, which song did we just buy? Oh, let's see. Probably The Gambler. The Gambler, really? Probably. Uh, let's let's go confirm with Rob. But uh, yeah, we bought it for such a cheap price that yeah, it's likely that you know it's no one to uh, hold him, no one to fold him. That's the key. We go consult with Rob in the Bond Cave. We got a song request. Uh, is this is this the Gambler we just sold them? Do you think? I don't think it's the Gambler. Where's where's the songboard? <laughs> Rob and Slim spend a long time in front of the songboard. It's really cute. Like, they take it very seriously because none of the songs that they have on the songboard really exactly match our bond. It's not mid-credit. It's a pretty bad credit. It is getting principal. It's floating. Well, we can make up a new song. Uh, that's the great thing about these uh, classified by songs. It's bad credit. I mean, Michael Jackson. I'm, you know, I'm bad. Is that what this? this is that what this? Is that what this Bond would be singing right? Against the wind. Against the wind by Bob Seger. You, but let's. But, but what? I mean, why is it really against the wind, though? Goodness gracious. Oh, I think we need Highway to the Danger Zone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, podcast listeners, we have a song. We need a name, though. Hannah has been calling our toxic asset Dizzy, like DZ, for the whole danger zone thing. But we think you can do better. (laughs) So please send us your suggestions. Uh, We're going to put them to a vote and pick the winner. Send us email at planetmoney at npr.org. Or you can post them on our blog, npr.org slash money. We want to do a big thank you to the guys at Mission Peak Capital for all their help with this. They spent two very long days with us trying to buy our toxic asset, and they've spent many, many more hours helping us put together all the data and all the stuff for the web. Wit and Seth and Rob, who needs a haircut, and Slim, who needs to learn how to sing for the mic. I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. And I'm David Kestenbaum. Thank you for listening.